Hello and welcome to the Chord Ballads Podcast. I'm Joe and I am joined by Muse. Hello. And V. Hi. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the first comics that we have ever read in our entire life. And we are also going to be talking about the current issues of those titles and how much they have changed. That out of the way, we are going to get started with Muse. What title do you have for us? All right, I'm out of the bus immediately. All right, so <laughs> my first comic I actually picked up was Runaways. I didn't pick up like a single issue of it. My best friend actually was the one who kind of got me into it. I didn't really know where to start with comics. I wanted an intro, but because both Marvel and DC at this time were still pretty established continuities. I didn't know where to start. She was like, right now is probably not the best time to hop in that because that is a hot tank of garbage. How long ago was this? This was early like 2012. Like it was... Oh, okay. So this is really recent. This was recent. I always liked superheroes and comic book stuff. I just never actually grabbed a comic book (laughs) because my parents... It wasn't their thing. They weren't going to take me to the comic book store. They were more likely to take me to a Barnes & Noble to get me a novel. So she recommended Runaways to me because she's like, I know you like Marvel a lot. And Runaways is kind of out of the continuity of a lot of the mainstay Marvel stuff. But I didn't want to just get single issues. I wasn't one of those people that were starting to be like, I'm going to collect all of this at the time. (laughs) Who are those people? (laughs) Can't believe she just snatched your wig, Joe. (laughs) I mean, it's long enough by now. She could reach it from where she is. Get a haircut. No. But yeah, no, since then I've grabbed single issues of a bunch of things now, but I didn't want to get into that collecting. And they had really nice collector editions of Runaways. There was four big bound volumes. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to grab the first one. That's going to be it. I think I even got it on my first free comic book day. And I was hooked. It's such a different series than what I was used to. I've also read manga before, but I think the main reason was because it was just a bunch of kids running away from their parents was like the main premise of Runaways. But of course there was an underlying mystery behind it all and a conspiracy with all of their parents. If you haven't heard of the Runaways at this point, I'm shocked there's a TV series about it. Let's just say that their parents are super villains. And what kid doesn't have when they're younger dream about like, running away into the forest with their friends and, like, having adventures, because that's how most kids' novels are, is going on adventures without parent supervision. That was such a better turn than what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, what kid doesn't think of their parent as a That's super exactly what I heard. <laughs> no! <laughs> I was mostly spurred on by the fact that, like, they kind of run away, and they go and hide in, like, this really crappy cave underneath the tar pits outside of L.A. That's, like, their bunker and headquarters, and it's just, like, this kid clubhouse kind of thing where you would get away at the end of the day from your parents just to go have fun with your friends. It's like the treehouse or, like, Bridge to Terabithia kind of thing where you're just running away and having fun but this is actual real life for these kids so the other cool thing is there's a wide diverse cast of characters like yeah they're kind of from really rich LA families but they're all different kids with the whole mystery behind them trying to uncover what their parents are doing was really cool especially in that first half also a side note the writer of this Brian K. Vaughn one of the best writers. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner. He's also the writer of Saga and many other series. And you can really tell he put a lot of time and love into this. And it shows because once he left the series, it 
kind of tanked hard. Yeah. Definitely see into the later half. Their fights got more petty. It was just repeated drama. It wasn't how it started out in the beginning till now. So you started with the first issue of that first run? I started immediately with that and I just kept reading because I had the first whole trade. The first trade, it's had multiple re-releases. Like most Marvel comics, a couple months afterwards, mm. they would bind like the first arc. The completed edition had, I think, arcs at least one and two, maybe one, two, and three. It's huge. Mm. I read the entire thing very quickly because I was just sucked into it. It took me a while to get the rest of it. I think I got volume two really quickly after because I think Vaughn also wrote most of that. It wasn't until like volume three and four that i'm just reading this because i enjoy the characters and i want to see kind of where this goes and see the downfall of the writing because and v you read runaways too right Mm-hmm. i was entranced i got it from the library i really loved the stakes as opposed to i mean i agree with you that like who hasn't thought about running away but on the <laughs> other hand it wasn't for me like that kind of wish fulfillment it was so fascinating to see the kids of super villains who are genuinely terrified of their parents because they had no idea their parents were villains. Mm -hmm. And they have, like, the moral backbone to stand up to them and try to take them down on their own. I think the youngest one's, like, eight. Yeah, Molly was really young in the first volume, but she was the powerhouse because she was the mutant. Yeah, mutant with, with, like, super strength. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they had, like, a really warm relationship because these kids have known each other since they were little because their parents are all in a super secret society together. So it just had, like, a really nice dynamic that was really unique. Yeah, because you had Molly, who was the youngest, and they all doted on this little girl, and they all really wanted to protect her. Even Alex, he had Gert, who was kind of the outsider loner girl, who was kind of ahead of her time when it came to being more on the indie side of things. You have Nico, you have Carolina, who's an alien, and then there's Chase, and he's just normal. Isn't there a velociraptor? Yeah, uh, it's not a velociraptor. It is a... Starts with a D. Dinosuchus. Dinosuchus, yes. Uh, who has a mental connection with Gert. And it's just like this random assortment of like, you have a telepathic dinosaur connection with people. Yeah, because Chase's parents, weren't they the time travelers? Gert's parents were the time travelers. So you have like evil time travelers, evil aliens, evil manipulative humans, evil mutants, and evil tech geniuses. That was Chase's parents. They were the tech geniuses. But then there was that other family that was the other kid. What was his name? Alex. They were just normal supervillain humans. You have each of the different stereotypes of supervillains. That's cool though, because I had no idea that they were supervillains. I thought it was maybe like one or two, because that's what I'm used to. Not all of them. No, they're like in a cult. I'm not kidding. It's a full-on cult. It's a full-on cult, and they are supposed to sacrifice to these evil gods to keep their power and their status. It is full-on crazy. They Mm. pretty much run the dark underworld of LA. You get a pretty good idea if you've seen the Runaways TV show. Like, that's how this series is. But the kids are all so normal. Like, none of them find out that they have these connections with the dinosaur. They're an alien. They're a mutant. They don't figure this out until they catch their parents in the act of doing one of their rituals. Oh my gosh. Underneath it all, it's also a really interesting coming of age story for all of them. It's all different stages for each of them at different points. So, If I knew any of that, I would have read it years ago because I never picked up Runaways. I never heard of it until the TV show was announced. I had no idea what was going on and then I saw all the little clips here and there. And even then, I was still very disinterested in it because it just looks like... Yeah, it looks cheap. I don't really want to watch it. (laughs) It just looks like a campy teenager find each other, new family. 
I watched the first season of Runaways and it was pretty close to the original source material where there was a lot of differences that I was not a big fan of. Season two has just gone off away from the original source material and I'm not happy. As I said before, it's so far away from continuity because where is most of Marvel comic stuff happening? New York. They're so far removed. So it allows you to have way more creative freedom with these characters, but they don't really fully integrate and interact how Young Avengers did. Like, Young Avengers was taking place in New York and was working in tandem with the Avengers at multiple points. These kids don't have any overlapping until, like, the very end when Captain America shows up. And then they find out that Molly's a mutant, so Wolverine comes to take her to Xavier School. That is funny. What? Yeah. In the TV series? No, in the comic. Oh. In the comic, he goes and takes her to Xavier's school. <laughs> she Hugh Jackman made it I just yeah, like, how did I miss this? <laughs> no, she, and then she escapes because it's Molly, and her family is with the rest of the Runaways. They would meet up once a year when their parents would have this meeting, and then they had a bunch of other ragtag people along the way. I didn't mind yeah. Victor. I like Victor, but I didn't like Victor. Like... He complicated things, and then the scroll. They kind of made it less about the Runaways core, and I don't know, everyone got watered down. But what about now in, like, today's comics? It is being written by Rainbow Roel. She is a really good writer. I like what she's done with this recent run. She kind of does a really good job of encapsulating the original feel of the team, but doesn't really forget to mention that they aren't the same people as they were before because Carolina is in college. Like, Chase was the only one that became an adult during the run. They're all, most of them are adults. Molly's a young teenager. She's about the age they were. Nico joined, like, an Avengers team. Victor got dismantled. Oh, no! Because he went to go talk to Vision when he made his whole Vision family. Crazy Mama thought he was a threat because he's half Vision, half Doom. It's complicated. Wait, so Victor is, like, a cyborg? Yeah, he's a cyborg. You mean just like Victor, the cyborg... <laughs> In DC Comics? Kind of. No. But he's different because he's like not Victor even human. Victor Von Doom type. He's more Victor, Victor Von Doom. He's actually created by Ultron. So that just yeah. throws a whole twist into things. They did a good job and it just kind of, like you said, it felt watered down at times. The initial part where like they run into Cloak and Dagger, they did really well. I like that. I loved that. The parallels. Did the show have a crossover with that? Because I know Cloak and Dagger had a show too. I know, I assumed it. But the Cloak and Dagger from that is wildly different from the comics. Rainbow has done a good job of not just trying to be like, let's go back to the good old days. Like, that was kind of the initial thing, but people were doing other things. They were, like, having adult lives. They acknowledged that and then came kind of back together in their own way. That's kind of like Titans Run, when Dick decided to get the Titans all back together, but everybody had their own lives. Roy had his daughter. Kind of like that. And it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Rainbow did such a good job of actually dealing with Gert trying to find her place back in the world. She had her hair dyed purple back in like 2005. She was already trying to push the boundaries. There's a beautiful cover of her in a crowd filled with people like her in modern day when she stood out. Like, she's, like, against anything mainstream because that's Gert, and you love her for it. She's a hipster. She's a hipster, and she kind of went against it and dyed her hair back to her natural color. Mm -hmm. And Gert's moment was probably, like, the biggest one for me. But it's still a group of orphan runaways that stick together no matter what, and it really doesn't hold any of the punches back. And the main emphasis is still on them being a family, even in the current little arc that they went through. This guy was kind of threatening to wiggle his way into their family, rebrand them all, and 
skirt didn't have a place in it. And she, at first it made her seem like she was jealous. Like, oh, I don't have a place in this. I don't have powers. But she knew something was up. And she unravels all of it to save her family. And it's... Mm-hmm. It sounds really fun. So now, have you been keeping up with Runaways this entire time? Mm-hmm. I've been keeping up with it because it's one of the first comics I ever read. I have mm-hmm. all the single issues of Rimberwell's current run, so... Oh, so you're obviously going to be continuing reading this. Yeah, I'm going to keep reading this. Runaways, I think, is one of those series that, like, do or die, I'm going to keep reading it, even if it changes. Because mm-hmm. I care about these characters, and I want to see where they take them, even if it's poorly written. <laughs> I think it helps, too, that Marvel didn't have such universal reboots like DC has. Like, Teen Titans has changed because you went from this team Jeff Johns wrote back in the 2000s to New 52 by Scott Lobdell, which got retconned, and now this Rebirth one, which is ruled by Damien. And then if you even go back further, you have Dick Grayson running it, so... And that's where I am a little bit jealous of Marvel, in a sense, because they do have just that one linear continuity, but at the same time, it gets confusing. Everything just keeps getting stacked on top of each other. Things get mildly retconned or just sweeped under the rug and completely ignored. One of those things where the writers just get to pick and choose what they want the people to remember, what they don't want to remember. Which is kind of why I liked how Rainbow didn't just sweep up all this under the rug kept everything with all of the characters so like compared to like the first volume and like now would you say you still feel like kind of the same about the series i would i would say she definitely renewed my love of this series i know both you and v have told me that i should read this series and surprise that i haven't read it already because it does sound like it's something up my alley but after like hearing a little bit more about it it's definitely going on my ketchup list which as you know is as long as my current pull list yeah (laughs) who knows but it's definitely piqued my interest a lot more than it did before it went up the list (laughs) it went from 100 to 99 it's slowly getting up (laughs) (laughs) but we'll get into mine which was teen titans my first one was from Jeff Johns. It was Teen Titans issue 12. So this is back in 2004. And I got this in my first comic book shop I ever went to. I picked up this. I picked up the Teen Titans Go comic for the TV show. And I picked up a couple Superman titles. One of those being like that famous Jim Lee cover where Superman is standing on top of the Golden Eagle. And it parallels with the Batman one standing on top of the Gargoyle. The only reason I picked up the Teen Titans one, you know, I was a child. I didn't know anything about continuity and all this stuff. I only knew the characters and I knew names. So I saw Teen Titans. I'm like, oh, it's like the TV show. So I'm picking that. And uh, oh my gosh, you know that scene in Community where Troy walks into a burning building? That was little kid me reading this title because I'm expecting some comedic jam-packed thing yes i know that the cover of this one looks completely different from the teen titans go comic that i have right next to it but i picked this one up first because i'm like this looks interesting because i don't recognize most of these people basically in this thing it was one of the most important story arcs of jeff johns's series and i also want to say that this is back when i loved jeff johns before he took over and made the new 52 anyway i digress (laughs) in this story arc called raven's rising part three you have the return of so many characters you have raven making a comeback you have the resurrection of jericho you also have more character development of rose wilson slade's daughter and her diving deeper into becoming ravager because of the drugs that slade is giving her and brainwashing her and you also have Connor Kent developing more of his Kryptonian abilities after finding out that half of his DNA with Lex Luthor. And so little kid me expecting to find the TV show and 
watching Beast Boy turn into a worm popping out of Brother Blood to get the gem from Raven's forehead out of him (laughs) and having a naked Raven come out of a pool of blood. Also watching Rose Wilson stab her eye out to be just like her father. That was all in this episode? That was all in this issue. Oh my gosh. I had no idea who Connor was. I had no idea who Cassie was. I knew Starfire. I knew Cyborg. Obviously, I knew Beast Boy, obviously. I thought Tim was the same Robin from the show because obviously they never said Robin's name in the show. So I was like, oh, that's cool. I know his name now. (laughs) I was very much confused, but I was confused enough and interested to keep reading and finding out who these people were. But the next time I got to go to the comic book shop, the comic book shop was closed. And so my dad wasn't going to take me to every single comic shop. We didn't even know it existed. We were just walking in a mall. So I did not get to further investigate any of this for another couple years until I was able to drive myself to my first comic book day. Aww. It was something I was very interested in and wanted to learn more about, but I had no way of doing it. But I read this comic so much that to this day, it's still holding on by a single staple. <laughs> I just read it over and over and over again until I got the comiXology and I bought the entire series back when I got iTunes gift cards and didn't know what to do with all of them because I didn't want apps. So I got to learn all about those characters. That's cute. read the entirety of Young Justice into Teen Titans Run. It's my favorite series I've ever read. And compared to this one, which it has gone through two reboots now, It is currently being written by Adam Glass and Robbie Thompson. And the current issue as of right now is Teen Titans number 40, which actually came out in March. And they haven't been able to put anything else out because due to COVID. So I'm not exactly sure when the newest Teen Titans thing is going to come out. But once again, I am walking into a burning room (laughs) with a very important story arc going on. And I have no idea what's happening. I don't know. I wasn't interested in picking up the Teen Titans run when I saw that Damien was was going to be leading the Teen Titans. I kind of figured it was going to happen. Basically what happened in this one is that Damien and the Teen Titans are rescuing their teammate named Jin from hell because they're trying to prevent a war going on in heaven <laughs> that's being led by fallen angels. Oh no. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Damien, excuse me, what? <laughs> I thought we were just still like mourning Alfred. <laughs> He's over in heaven and hell? Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So also, to my knowledge, this isn't even the same Teen Titans team from Rebirth. That team got disbanded because Damien wasn't being trustworthy and was keeping secrets. (laughs) And Damien has still yet to learn from that because he is still hiding things and keeping secrets. Because as we've discussed in the show once before, I don't know if it's still true, but he has been keeping all of the Teen Titans villains captive under Titans Tower. And his teammates didn't know about it. There are still a couple similarities. You know, Robin's still leading the Titans team, obviously. You have a speedster on the team. This time it's Wallace West, whereas Jeff Johns, it was Bart Allen. And then Lobo's daughter mm-hmm. named Crush. Yeah. She's a part of this. And she's obviously the powerhouse of the team. So she's kind of like that Wonder Girl Superboy character for the team. They have an archer. She goes by Red Arrow. No relation to Roy Harper that I know of. She's actually Oliver Queen's daughter, Emiko Queen. People need to stop sleeping with him. Yeah. Oh, that's Emiko. That's Emiko. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. 
because that clears up a little bit of confusion. Then you also have Jin, who is basically like the Teen Titans equivalent of Solstice. If you remember her, because she didn't really last very long in the Jeff Johns run, because then New 52 happened, and then she got rebooted into another disaster, much like the rest of the Titans, and then got retconned, and we haven't seen her since. And then you have this guy, Roundhouse. I've seen him everywhere. I'd never heard his name before, and I was getting really annoyed that they didn't even say his name until I want to say three quarters into this comic <laughs> because I was just calling him Blue Boy. I thought he was like Bouncing Ball Lad from the Legion of Superheroes. That's what I thought. <laughs> I still don't know what he does. He's pretty much like the Beast Boy of this team because he's supposed to be that comedic relief, but all of his things kind of lie flat. And he also, of course, has to make all the different media references. Mm. So, like, he even brings up how they're in the middle of something that Sam and Dean would be dealing with, tying it to Supernatural. I don't know. I, maybe it's also just because I don't know anything about these people. But I am curious to know more about this Red Arrow and Roundhouse and Crush because the fact that Lolo even has a daughter... Like, I want to know, is she good or not? But I also have heard very mixed feelings about the Teen Titans run. Especially, I don't think that we've talked about it on the show, but I do know that issue 27, I believe, was one of their biggest disasters just because of the art. That's the one that had Damien basically look like a brat stall. Yes. Do you what? remember that? Yeah. I think I stopped reading by that point. These giant eyes, these big puffy <laughs> lips. Everyone was freaking out like, what is this? <laughs> Who is this pretty boy? This isn't Damien. It was enough going on in this one issue that wanted me to keep reading to find out more and to read back to see what I've missed to get them to this point. Because again, like I don't know any of these new characters. I know that his original team disbanded because he wasn't trustworthy. I would feel like by now, Damien would have matured enough to trust his teammates a little bit more. And he's also, in the Teen Titans, was kind of really bratty. Like, he regressed past a lot of what we had seen with Damien. Even in crossover with Super Sons of Tomorrow, he's even, like, mega bratty to his friend. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of out of character for a lot of the Super Sons. Mm -hmm. And I think we've spoken about it before too, where it seems like nobody really knew how to write Damien by a certain point because he was in so many different titles at the time. Yeah. Because he was in Super Sons working well alongside John. Then he's in Teen Titans and he's back to being the bratty gremlin leader that just wants everybody to follow him without questions. And then you also have him in Detective Comics and the Batman title which was being written by Tom King at the time. Mm -hmm. Each tone was completely different. It really was. Especially Tim would kind of point man, even in the Jeff Johns run, he would mm -hmm. tell Corey, who's a senior member of the Teen Titans, and Victor Stone, and they listened to him because they respected his knowledge because he garnered that respect. And Damien's trying to do the same thing, but he's doing it in such a bossy, bratty way. And Corey's like, no. She finally stands up to him and says, mm -hmm. like, I am no longer listening to what you're saying. She takes command. She leads. And it was just this whole turnaround. And it was like, wow. why did Damien not learn from this moment? I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like there were so many things that happened to Damien with the Teen Titans that he should have learned from. But it kind of also reminds me of when he was in Jeff Johns' run. You know, when he was brand new to DC Comics as it was. And he was trying to lead Tim's team and having them do whatever he said just because I wear the Robin costume. <sighs> I'm the leader. And all of them look at him like, no, you're not. Like I said, I'm interested to know what happens here. But at the same time, 
I just never really had a good introduction to Damien. The only actual titles I've read of Damien enough was Super Sons. Well, those are the best ones, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Super Sons and um, Son of Batman also is really good. I know that Damien has moments, and you have seen in certain issues... Damien has been around a decade now. Yeah. And to have him still kind of act the same way that he did a decade ago for a team, which again, like he has been a part of, it got disbanded, been a part of, got disbanded, been a part of again, and they still don't trust him and not having any acknowledgement of that. Like, I don't know. It feels like something that yeah. it's going to stick with him because they think of it as a character trait. Thing is, the DC animated series, like movie series that we've gotten, has given him some of the best development. He starts out massive brat in Son of Batman, starts growing throughout, and you see him change in the Teen Titans mm-hmm. movie. And yeah, then in this recent that. movie, you see a massive amount of background character development that happened with him. No spoilers mm-hmm. there, but Damien grew up in mm-hmm. probably the right way. Like, thank you. <laughs> The only good thing that came out of the Justice League Dark movie was that. <laughs> no, you're right. Like, I hadn't even considered that, but a lot of the animated films did have him growing. They would show him where he was wrong. He would have those heartfelt moments with his father. And I think also because they cover so much ground so much faster, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier for people to stay on the same boat when they're writing him in continuity. Yeah, compared to over here where, again, because he's such an integral character in DC, he is going to be put in so many different places. So many different Well, they should still have some kind of Bible where they're like, Damien currently is this way. He does not do this. He does not Mm -hmm. do that. He does not do this. And like, you remember when Peter Parker, his Bible got leaked and people were like, it says he has to always be white? Yeah, so it's kind of those sorts of things where you like have boundaries. They have a binder for each of these integral characters of the Justice League, but they should have that for... I would say at least like the contributing characters, like you have Justice Leaguers, and then I would say like the tier down would be like your Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. and like there are people that you know that no matter what like you are gonna see them a good handful of times robin is one of those characters you just wouldn't touch like the d-listers like yeah freaking roundhouse over here who has no background whatsoever like, I, I don't think character. you need a pamphlet to figure out how to write condiment king you do though <laughs> you can't have condiment king running around like being a little uh what do you call it a uh, loser no <laughs> like, what, like debonair if he's just running around being like all charming like that's not okay. condiment key okay listen listen if i was the ceo of dc here's how i would handle this i would be like all right guys we're going to share basically some kind of google docs type situation a wiki if you will and everyone who writes gets to add a little addendum Mm -hmm. and if it contradicts anything that was written before it you don't get to write that but you can add stuff and if people want to argue about it they can but so we're all on the same page you guys are all writing at the same time everyone should have this live document Mm -hmm. that everyone else can check against each other and have little off to the side conversations you get a microsoft teams account you all get on there You have different pages where you can just have threads to talk about different changes and each character gets one. Because listen, if the fans are gathering data on your character and they have wikis, you better have wikis. And everyone needs to be checking them, Bendis. Everyone. (laughs) If you are touching a character, you need to understand what is happening in this reboot. Like you might remember something that happened in a previous reboot that's no longer valid. 
and so you need to go back and check the wiki to see what people have been doing since the last time you read because there's no way these people are reading all of the stories like it's just physically impossible mm -hmm. if you have a job let the record show that v had brought up bendis before i did well, he wasn't going to come up in this episode in any other way. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I definitely agree. And I don't remember if it was Tinian or Robert Venditti. I remember somebody was doing an interview and they were talking about those binders. So, like, you have a character like Superman. They said on the Superman binder, I think there are at least 12 qualities that every Superman adaptation throughout his publication have always had. You don't have to use all of them. You can add something new, but you do have to use most of them. And that seems to be the kind of guideline that they have for Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. But again, you have certain writers who just kind of look at that, throw it behind themselves, and then just let their depression seep into the keyboard and write a script. Wait, he said that? Who said? No, he okay. didn't. I'm saying that. <laughs> this, is, this is Joe talking I now. just want to hear Tinian <laughs> roast someone. Like, just imagine. Could you imagine Tinian saying anything negative about one of his fellow writers? I can't imagine him saying anything negative. He is the definition of you could pour soup on my lap and I'll apologize yes. to you. <laughs> I don't know enough about Venditti to, like, say that, but... Tinian's like the most humble, like, I'm just happy to be here, guys. <laughs> I don't think Tinian realizes just how far he's made it. That's the I type know. of attitude he gives Oh, off. no, he does. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have his newsletter. He, like, opens it. It's another day being a Batman writer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he's still, like, he still has stars in his eyes. And it's That's the what I mean. sweetest <laughs> thing instead of, like, writing Batman, like, Tom King. Like, which Tom like, King wakes up. Ugh. <laughs> I have to go write that. I was gonna swear. <laughs> just wakes up. He's like, ugh. Oh wait, that was actually good. I should add that. What's <laughs> <laughs> the word? Ugh. I think that'll be the only dialogue in this entire issue. It'll be oh, avant-garde. <laughs> he woke up one day. Beep beep. Yes, I have it. Eureka! Now I can go back to playing Call of Duty. But yes. Long tangent, but that wouldn't be us if we didn't. <laughs> Bottom line is, appreciate the storyline of Teen Titans currently. It does not hold a candle to what I grew up reading. I still feel like Jeff Johns did such an amazing job with the Teen Titans. And it is still, always will be one of my favorite series. I know it's also Muse's favorite series for DC as well. <laughs> it was a blast grow up with these characters. I have a question for you, Joe. What is better, this Teen Titans or love those Teen Titans? What would you read again? The fact that <laughs> Lobdell got retconned. I mean, granted, you can also say Damien's teams continuously got disbanded. I would still go with Damien just because even though Lobdell had my characters, Cassie's not a slut. Whoa. Thank you. I have no idea what that little anthill is about. <laughs> She was <laughs> messing around with both Connor and Tim in Lobble's Teen yeah. Titans. Oh, she was like a graphic novel Catwoman. Yeah, yeah, because this was New 52, and they were trying to be modern and edgy, yeah. trying to relate to the oh, kids. Oh man, New 52. We want the women to come into this, so we're going to make all the women inherently unlikable. Cassie having invisible armor she got from a guy that she hooked up with <laughs> as a teenager. Oh no. Pretty much. 
Yeah. Oh, no. It got so bad. Was there just, like, a studio-wide memo that all the women had to be super sex objects and that's it? I want to say yes. Because you had Catwoman with the stripper male gaze on the rooftop. You had uh, Corey. Yeah. Corey was, like, mm-hmm. that, that oh, huge red flag. Point is, I would absolutely read this over Lobdell Scene Titans. <laughs> And this is also the first episode, I want to say, that we've done where DC is outnumbered here in terms of titles we're talking about. Because V is talking about a Marvel title this week. That is what I started with. My first comic. The little Marvel comic. I think I've told you before, but it was definitely Fireman Propaganda. (laughs) This came out in 1993. I was a little girl, and I went to the Blueberry Festival... Yes, it is a festival where we celebrate blueberries and had a blueberry pancake eating contest. You would color blueberry coloring pages and submit them for a little prize. If you won, you could have free blueberry pancakes for your full family. And you won firefighter propaganda? Nope. I was a fireman's daughter, and so I went to the fireman's tent, and they were like, Hey there, little V! And I was like, Sup! Did you want a comic? You can have any comic off the rack. And I was like, wow, it's a comic. And they're like, it's a book with pictures. And I said, so a book. And they were like, yeah. You want one? I was like, yeah. And they were like, have this one. And I was given this 20-page one-shot, which was absolutely fireman propaganda. It was originally put out by the fire safety education branch of the Gas Appliance Manufacturers Association Consumer <laughs> Product Safety Commission. Oh my god! So, essentially, can you please say that five times. <laughs> How do you know I didn't? You just didn't hear the last four. Um, so fast. Anyways, it's about the dangers of gasoline. Yes. It is corny, and yes, it is absolutely like, kids, don't clean with gasoline, which... (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, it is the 90s. Yeah. So it's around that dare area. Yeah. I remember the dare dog was there, too, I think. I never knew what he was doing. He's like, kids, say no to drugs. I'm like, who's giving out drugs? (laughs) Are you being offered drugs, strange dog? But um, no, the firemen were great. They gave me my first comic. I had been told comics were for boys after the fact, too. They'd be like, I like this. And they'd be like, that's kind of a boy thing. Oh, okay, then I guess I won't. But (laughs) I kept that thing. I still have it. It's like ripped to shreds. Because I read through that so much. That's like my Titans one. Yeah, except (laughs) I didn't get it a few years ago. (laughs) Wait, you said 2005. 2004. Damn. What year is it? (laughs) Never mind. Forget it. So anyways, (laughs) it's a while ago. But yeah, I was too little to appreciate like how to treat comics either. But the basic premise is that Matt Murdock, he's in court. There's a whole rash of deaths and he's trying to figure out if there's a case here. Are people committing arson? And that was kind of the thought process. They're like, it seems a little too convenient. All these people are dying by accidents. But it's narrated by Vipora, who is a custom villain made out of gasoline. And she's not really gasoline itself, but she's almost like a weird little creature. She's like an elemental creature. And she will find any excuse to sort of take a situation and just twist it to make it a little bit worse. So this gas villain has a habit of gaslighting situations? Uh, I don't (laughs) like that. No. You take that pun and you keep it for yourself. That's a you pun. (laughs) 
gaslighting. Now, she's not exactly gaslighting. She was just lighting the gas, basically. Anytime there was, he's like, she gets to do it and I don't. That helpless <laughs> gesture was great. Um, so, like, there's a guy, he's, like, cleaning his motorcycle with gasoline. And he's like, man, I'm gonna light a cigarette now. And he blows up. She's like oh, convincing wow. him to do things. Like she's whispering in his ear, like, you know, you want to do this or whatever. Oh so God. yeah, he like sets himself on fire. There's another one that was really upsetting where like this mother, she's like dumb kids and their gum. And she's like cleaning some gum off the floor and her baby's watching from a crib. And she has a cigarette and she lights a match. The whole nursery goes up in flames. Yeah, there was a lot of that. And all the while, Vapora has been convincing them to do this sort of stuff in like sort of a subliminal way. And so nobody can see her. She's just like a little demon thing, except for Daredevil, because he has like that sonic vision. The heightened senses. Yeah, so yeah. he can sense that someone's there, someone's whispering things. And he's like, who's there? Who is it? But he can't really fight her. I don't really remember how they get into it. I think she's going to kill someone. It might have been the mother and the baby. And he saves them or something. It's been a while. <laughs> but I do remember I really loved how she looked. And so I would put tracing paper over the top. And I would draw over it a bunch. Mm -hmm. And then I would like sit yeah. next to it and draw it a bunch over uh, on my own. I did that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so basically in the end they determine that it is user error. Like they can't prove anyone's been setting these fires except for people. But then it kind of ends with that whole be very careful because you never know when something's out there. It's going to turn the chance against you. And I learned not to clean with gasoline at a very young age. I still have I never mean, seen anyone. Did it ever cross <laughs> your mind? <laughs> I never really had an opportunity to play with gasoline. But I mean, I thought those commercials always advertised baking soda, not gasoline. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that was the past. The present, I wanted to catch up on our dear boy, Didi, and see what he's up to. <laughs> We've all seen the Netflix Daredevil, and I hear that he's going to come back. Disney's really? going to get him. They're going to put on Disney Plus? This year, he gets to come back to Ooh. Disney, so... Oh, my God, finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for that yeah. show. I guess I need to watch the new season four. You don't have to. <laughs> Nobody has to. That's fine. Just be cynical again. <laughs> Listen, I liked the first season a lot. Any adaptation? I hate it, and I'll tell you why. I can't tell you why. I just... I'm over him. I'm kidding. So anyways, I love Daredevil. I've always loved Daredevil. I love that he is so Catholic. <laughs> I think oh. it's a fun part of his personality because, like, you know, you always see these people and they're like, oh, I'm religious, and then it like doesn't really come up again, but he's always shooting the breeze with the priest or whatever, and just like, it's kind of like he's in therapy, and his Catholicism gives him that out where a lot of heroes aren't getting the help they need, yeah. and he can be like, am I the asshole? To his priest, and his priest will be like, yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's great. It's kind of like how Batman is with Alfred. Except that Alfred yeah. is a low-key enabler, and this priest is definitely not. And he pays Alfred. And, and... he pays Alfred. Um, anyways, <laughs> I love him. I love his conflict. His conflict isn't, I have a personal code. It's like, God's gonna see me mess up, so I can't. <laughs> it's, God's out there everywhere, man. I can't mess up. It can go a little too much, but most of the time it's kind of cute, and I like it. I love this character. He's a great character. He has, like, a very rich backstory, interesting origin story. I mean, who else has a dad who's mm. a boxer, who comes from nothing, who was raised by nuns. He not only goes about every day as like a mild-mannered person trying to be a hero on the street, but he's also disabled and he has to keep that up all the time. 
he's very grounded. He's always one of the people. He's not living on the fringes of society in a mansion. He's a great guy and nothing to hate about him. He's not pretentious in any way except when certain people write him and they're wrong. But the most recent one I was reading, Daredevil 19, it kind of drops you right in the middle of it. There's a gang war happening, and it's all supervillains. <laughs> I'm going to tell it to you as if you were getting into the story, because I do not have any context. I have not been keeping up with Daredevil. So it's like me with Teen Titans. It's fine. <laughs> well, I pop in and out, you know, every once in a while to check on what's going on, and usually I don't like it, so I leave. <laughs> like, I'm going to remember him as I want to remember him. Um... <laughs> But Chip Zdarsky is apparently like really popular with this run. I saw some really mm. stirring reviews. Just started this run last year. Chip Zdarsky's writing artist is Marco Cicchetto. So this one is like a part one of two. It doesn't even like complete anything. It sets a lot of stuff up. There's a lot happening. Mm. So we first get into it. Matt Murdock is in the car with the black hood over his head. You know that half black hood? And he's in the car with the district attorney, who is this extremely beautiful guy i was like instantly on board with this district attorney so anyways they get pulled over by a blockade and they're like we're getting calls of distress and we need to go in and the cops are like oh we're sorry you can't come in here it's it's all blocked off and like people on the radio are like help us it's a bloodbath and they're like can't go back there it's official business and he whispers to the district attorney like he knows it's dirty his heart's all over the place, blah, blah. And the guy's like, well, we're running this blockade. So they peel through it and they go in. These people are going around just terrorizing the town, like trying to mess it up. And it is mm. Bullet. I don't know if that's his full name. I've never heard of him before. He seems to be the most normal one of the group who's kind of, let's not kill anyone. Let's just rough up the town. We'll get out. We'll get a paycheck. He's being led by Bullseye, who is crazier than usual. He's extremely excited about killing. And oh Rhino, who looks like a blobby giant monster. It's very creepy. <laughs> there was another one. He's a low-grade bone villain, and he's running around. And Stiltman. Stiltman's there. He's like the silliest villain of all time. And they're all out there. They're messing up the town. They're causing chaos. And I'm like, ah, that Keenpin. But then they show Keenpin's freaked <laughs> out. And people are reporting to him like, they're taking the town from us. And Keenpin's like, oh. I was like, oh no, Kingpin, because he's mayor now, so. Well, Kingpin's kind of turned over a new leaf after becoming mayor, I've noticed. It seems like a little bit. There's Ravencroft. Okay, there's Ravencroft. There's Ravencroft, but he's also being sort of blackmailed by the creatures there. Mm. But also, like, he's sort of like Lex Luthor when Lex Luthor was president. Was where it was like, that. Yeah, because oh, it was God. like, he did it for selfish reasons. And then... Both when, bald, yeah. bald in power. <laughs> when, you, when you get the power, it's like, okay, you actually have to take care of your people. And That's not true. Kinda, Don't yeah. ever trust that. Do not hire a corrupt person and think that they're going to be non-corrupt as a politician. Because that's a lie. Anyways, <laughs> I'm tired of this topic. Let's go back to Catholicism. And... It- <laughs> No, so, there's like this little produce shop, they see some people, and they're like, get in here, and the guy's like, don't run out and be a hero, like, think of your poor mother, and they see a woman stumble out of a car, and she's like, my baby, and she's reaching in to grab her baby, (laughs) and the guy's like, oh my gosh, and the dad who was telling his son not to go out there, he runs out there to help this lady, and he's like, quick, get into my shop, we'll protect you. All this time, Bullseye's watching her, and he's just like, I hate babies, and... (laughs) He says that I hate moms. He looks over at Bolt like, what do you think that's about? He pulls his gun and he shoots off of something. He does like a trick shot. 
goes right through mm-hmm. the dude's head who's trying to help her as she runs oh and the, the kid is like no and so she, she gets to safety and bullet's like dude we weren't supposed to kill anyone and he's like i was being considerate i shot him through the front of his head so he wouldn't get any blood on that lady's blouse and he's like dude and he's like she was gonna throw a baby at me i hate babies do i look like someone who's good with babies and anyways this dude who has Daredevil's costume, he's taking care of his blind elderly father and he puts the suit on and goes out to fight them. Like instantly gets KO'd. So you know this guy is not like trained. He gets hurt and then you start to see all the other villains coming out like there's so many people. People are like fleeing, they're hiding in the church where Rhino's completely rampaging. This nun, Sister Elizabeth, runs to the back. She's just been threatened by the Rhino who said he was going to kill her last. She takes off her habit. Hair everywhere. Medusa. But it's Typhoid (laughs) Mary or Bloody Mary. Well, she used to be a Keenpin hitman. She has four personalities. She has Mary, who's sweet. She has Typhoid, who's crazy sadistic. And you have Bloody Mary, who is a huge, misandrous, absolute nightmare. And I think one of them is pyrokinetic. So she's interesting used to work for Kingpin and used to date Daredevil, seeing her regain her memories in the middle of this and being like, oh yeah, they hid me here. And now she's going to like, I don't know, fight them. In the meantime, all these people are like running out in the streets and they're all wearing Daredevil helmets. Like it's freaking V for Vendetta. They're all just out there like fighting these people and with screwdrivers or, you know, running out to give CPR to people who've been hurt and like doing things. And Matt uh, shows up with the car blaring. I think the car gets turned over or something. The district attorney runs over to help Matt punching his way through. And I'm like, who is this guy? I love him. Superhero pose here. Superhero pose there. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know this district attorney guy, but I like him. And then there's Matt, and he's just looking at all these people doing all this stuff in his name. And he has tear in his eye. Like, I abandoned the city. I wasn't good enough to wear this cowl, and now they're all wearing it. It's bigger than me, and it's having a moment. And then Daredevil puts on his cowl, and he stands there all dramatically with it looks like a beer belly, and his like shirt is swinging <laughs> open. I'm sure there's a story here. I have no idea what it is. I'm very confused. I was invested. I'm interested. So yeah, I don't know if I should even recommend it or not. I was going to say, does it sound like something that you want to continue? I don't know. I'm still coming down off of it. I'm like, that was a lot. It was like Mm -hmm. being trapped in the middle of a protest. and You don't know what anyone's protesting, but they're all screaming. And they're like (laughs) waving signs and none of the signs explicitly say what they're protesting. So you're just like completely (laughs) up in the air. And also you got a headache. And a mask. <laughs> Here, take a daredevil mask. But no, it looked interesting. I think it would be worth looking into further. It sounds There's a lot of plates in the air, but I think Typhoid oh. Mary, like just how she was drawn, was really good. And I want to see more of her and see what she does. And I want to see her powers. I want to see if she sets the whole town on fire, bringing us back around to the previous villain that I love so much, Vapora. Everything's getting set on fire because it's Hell's Kitchen. Because they're cleaning with gasoline. (laughs) Yeah, so. Thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful stories, you guys. And the memories. Of course. (laughs) But we actually have news. DC Comics actually put out some stuff this week. Last week, they put out some reprints of a couple titles. This week, we actually got a couple news things. Batman and the Outsiders number 12, we have The Flash 753, Green Lantern Season 2 number 3, Hawkman 23, 
House of Whispers number 20, and Joker Harley Criminal Sanity number 4 of 9. These are all getting printed from new uh, distributors because Diamond Publishing is still not going to be printing out anything. They're not going to be shipping anything out that we know of as of right now. So they're using two new companies. I think one's for the East Coast, one's for the West Coast. They're obviously going to be just printing out a little bit at a time here till we kind of get back up to speed once all this hopefully blows over. And Marvel is now following the same pace as DC. They are going to be having things May 27th. They're coming out with Spider-Man 43, Avengers 33, Marauders number 10, Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 1, and Venom number 25. I know the Marvel one, you can find it if you go to Previews World. They have it listed from there until like July 8th. But we're not going to get too heavy into spoilers. As Muse mentioned in the beginning, Justice League Dark's movie just came out and it is shocking everybody. Me and V have yet to watch it, plan on watching it. Muse has watched it. I want to be there when you guys watch it because I want to see your reaction. Oh no. (laughs) From what I gathered, just from the couple things I did see of it, it is the end of this animated universe so they're going to be starting a brand new animated universe with their next animated movie whenever that comes out this is the final installment of their new 52 like movie lines wait so they're actually going to end this cinematic universe and join rebirth or are they going to jump on the brand new they were slowly transitioning into rebirth because this was all taking place in the new 52 timeline in the beginning Because it starts off with, like, the first 12 issues of New 52's Justice League. That was the Justice League War movie. And it was just stayed in this New 52 era. But these past three movies that they've put out, we've been in DC Rebirth. So they were trying to transition into Rebirth. Like a weird mix? Because you had Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And then you also had Death and Reign of Superman. Like, that's a very different Connor Kent mm-hmm. from any adaptation that we've had. And yeah. we had the Justice League Dark movie, which I don't know if it had continuity with new 52 and then the suicide squad it was movie just still like that kind of like universe because it's also the same but the only differences of slowly transitioning into rebirth were outfit changes yep. for wonder woman superman uh-huh. and a couple others i think they mostly did that because of the continuity change and the fact that yeah. new 52 is not as successful as they wanted it been to a be thing for the past four years now so they kind of need to get out of that as soon as possible but death of was it Death of Superman? <laughs> Death of Superman, Reign of Superman were 90s stories. That's not part of New 52, but technically in New 52, that Superman died. Uh-huh. It's just, they... They, they altered the story. They yeah. just used the one okay. from the 90s. Okay, they're just like patching instead. over all the bad stuff to yeah. kind of uh-huh. smooth it over right. for people who don't read comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. They couldn't completely right. change everything because of what they had established in the previous three Justice League movies. Because that's why in Reign of the Superman, Wonder Woman and Lois have an awkward conversation because mm-hmm. Lois is the current girlfriend and Wonder Woman is the ex. And that never happened in the 90s. So Right. And it didn't happen in a new Mm-mm. 52 either because Lois and Clark came from the preboot Earth. But that's all we have for today. I do hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Court of Outlets. And you can please let us know which comic you want us to cover next week. And make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Take care, guys.